Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This is part two of our election series, um, our second pre-election episode. And for everyone listening, like crazy, but tomorrow is the election. Ew. And that is just something I cannot wrap my head around. Like I, I, the fact that we are close to like a post-Trump era potentially doesn't make sense to me like I I don't know how to feel it's just beyond me at this point I know I feel like it's like roller coaster of emotions I like not to be like negative nans you know downer at the party but like I feel like it's like it's not over till the fat lady sings so 100% just like even thinking about this week ahead it's like I'm almost like I was literally setting up a call today and I was like oh my god like it was for Wednesday I was like that could be such a depressing day. Yeah. It no. should be PTO. Oh, it should... Well, election day should also be PTO. Oh, I mean, that's a whole episode that we need to have. Oh my god, you're so right. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> well, what caught my eye the other day was seeing Trump's rally in Nebraska. Did you happen to see this? Oh, yeah. I was, like, very cold reading the news. Very cold. Very mm-hmm. cold. And... Rally goers were told to park at a certain destination and they would be shuttled to the rally. And apparently they did not have shuttles set up for the Betway home. So there was a bunch of Trump rally goers stranded in the cold. And unfortunately, multiple people had to be hospitalized for hypothermia. And... That's just so basically no way to go. It was like the political version of like Firefest. One hundred percent. I mean, like at least there it was warm. Like you had like a pretty view of the ocean. Like oh my god, you got something. I would have stayed on that beach. Yeah, right. Like shitty, but doable. How do you like being like too hot or too cold? Like what? What's oh, worse for you? I rather be sweating all day, too hot any day. I hate 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 the cold like absolutely okay. could not well no I'm not you know I'm not gonna go so far as to say like I don't hate anything more because that's probably a lie like first things first like I hate mayo more than being cold but like you and my roommate would get along fantastic oh my god is she like same food vibes she can't even look at mayo it's I, really dramatic but I highly relate Okay, so, like, in a game of would you rather, would you rather 
have to chug an entire bottle of mayo or be at the Trump rally standing in the cold waiting for a bus that might never come? Oh, um, that honestly would you rathers are so twisted like (laughs) i can never decide i'm also such an indecisive person so like this game just is not for me but i like when we're in on the topic of mayo like that concept and idea and visual of drinking a thing of mayonnaise is what absolutely like that's where i draw the line with mayo like absolutely not people who take (laughs) scoops of mayo and eat it absolutely not absolutely not but if I'm, like, well-dressed, like, I'll take a few hours in the cold, like, okay. over it's fair. over drinking mayo. I can't do that. Yeah, the consistency there, I just feel like it doesn't, it doesn't jive well. Oh, my God. I just, like, mm. I think we need to move on from this topic. It's yeah, okay, okay. Mm. <laughs> so, anyways. Well, today we are talking to Brianna Mahid of Next Gen America. She is the deputy, national deputy press secretary um, and she is going to help us break down this day before the election stress and all the information you need to go vote and what polling means and all that fun stuff. So here is Brianna. Yeah, I mean, to start, did you want to pour your wine or? Oh, you got it. Oh, wow. No, but cheers, like, to the end of this election. Like, isn't that mind blowing? It, it feels not yeah. real. I almost don't want it to happen because I just like I. It feels like it's something that I was imagining for so long, and now that it's right here, I'm like, I'm not ready. Like, give me like another six months, and then mm-hmm. maybe I'll be ready. But yeah, it's I like don't even have words for it. It just doesn't make sense to me. And it, like I was telling Sam, like the fact that next week could potentially be like a post-Trump era does like doesn't click, doesn't seem real doesn't seem possible but we'll get into that today and what we think can happen and where we're at and what's going on so I mean to start we do want to get to know you and your role at Next Gen America um so really like what do you do there and what does your role entail yeah so I am the deputy national press secretary so essentially the way that our program works is that we have 11 states Um, And I am dedicated to the Western part of the country, which I would not mistake with West Coast because in my opinion, Wisconsin has no business being called a Western (laughs) state. But yeah, so I oversee the comms program of some of the whitest states, like I mentioned Wisconsin and Iowa, and also some of the most diverse states like Nevada and Arizona. So it's definitely a mixed bag. But essentially the way that it works is we have press secretaries in all those states, Christy being one of them in Arizona. And I am their manager. And so I help them out in terms of like crafting narratives, um, trying to whittle down the you know progressive ideals that we come up with at National and making sure that they fit the audiences in each state. You know, like what works with like the hog farmer in Iowa is absolutely not gonna resonate um, with right. the culinary union in Nevada. So really yeah. trying to like break it down to like, what are the core concepts here? And like, how do we make this fit the audience? Um, and also taking like press requests and like taking on opportunities like this one um, and also with all that, I am Latina. So I also try and take on opportunities with Latino and outlets to make sure that the story that we wanted to tell are actually reaching all the people that are going to be influenced by this election and not just um, the outlets that are you know, comfortable having conversations with like 
a big organization and making sure that's as diverse an audience and diverse as approach as it can be. We love it. And um, we had Christiane, obviously. She was our first episode. Um, and we even had Heather Hargreaves on the other day, who is cool. Tom Steyer's campaign manager, but also worked at NextGen prior. So we've had a lot of next gen faces on. Like yeah. we love next gen here, <laughs> but for those who, maybe, yeah, like <laughs> can we be like, who can we talk to about that? But um, <laughs> um, no. But for those who don't know, like what does next gen do, and you know what has been its goal in this twenty twenty election? Sure. So next gen has been around for a while, but we are essentially, I would say, an organization of mostly young people trying to turn out the youth vote. So that's eighteen to thirty five year olds. Um, this cycle, we're in 11 battleground states, and we're really trying to make sure that people have the resources that they need to understand what's at stake, how to cast their ballot, um, and also why it matters. Um, I think that, I, I call this privately kind of like the Google Translate of politics. Like, this has been a topic that for so long has been like- I love that. Thank you. Um, I love that. <laughs> it's been one of those topics that's like sequestered in like a wood panel room with like a bunch of old white dudes drinking whiskey yep. and talking about like political philosophy. And while that's like fine, do what you want. Um, this affects all of us, whether we like it to or not. So having like really honest conversations, having really normal people talk about it and call it funny things like a Google Translate is like kind of the approach that we need to take so that young people understand that this is something that's critical to them and isn't just something that's being had um, as a conversation and like a back musty room. Um, so I think that a lot of it has just kind of been like a, a communicator and trying to forge connections between, you know, the the feelings that you have, like voting is the strongest part protests. Like you may have felt a certain kind of way this year. I'm sure you have, like all of us have been affected in so many different ways. So um you know whether it sounds interesting to you or not as like a, a subject showing up to vote at the ballot box is critical and making a change 100 percent. i love that that's what we're i mean sam should we adopt that i honestly it? literally although <laughs> i will say i like literally that copyrighted live for musky sense so we might need to keep that just like little detail but like other from that like i'm down for like a whole like design yeah. refresh and yeah. also that term like yes all the yes you can take it i'm <laughs> i'm known for saying things in different and weird ways and i'm like you know what like i think it sounds interesting to listen to so take it like we are we are a group of three young women having a conversation about politics there is no blueprint for this we are making it up as we go and i will go back listen to this and be like you know what it was all actually perfect it's just like the audience <laughs> hasn't even realized that these are the kind of conversations they can even listen into. So I wouldn't blame anyone. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I can't believe, just like we were saying, like election is literally days away. I was saying to Maddie earlier, I feel like we've been leading up to this day for centuries. And it's just like such a constant <laughs> conversation. Like you see it everywhere, like, oh my gosh, countdown, like eight days, seven days, whatever. And like, or you need to get out the vote in like the next month, but there is going to be a day, literally a day in a few days that we're all gonna see whether these efforts paid off or not. And mm -hmm. so with that in mind, I guess, if you could walk us through sort of like what Next Gen has done as part of these efforts, or as we're seeing you know, across the country, um, so many efforts to get people to vote, especially you know, with you guys with the youth vote, 
what what tactics have you guys been using? Sure. Um, so one thing I would say, just starting off that question, is because of the fact that we're gonna have so many people like voting by mail for the first time and like absentee votes and like all of these things being counted up and already like record breaking numbers. I'm like kind of as much as I want this all to be over, but also not at all. Like we're totally not gonna have like a firm answer on November 4th. So like we might be able to chat about this a hundred and some more times. Um, but I would say like one of the things that NextGen has done a really good job of is like that there is no right idea and no wrong idea. Like we're basically kind of trying to think about like what would you find inherently interesting as a person? Like what concert would you go to? Like what game would you play? Um, what ad would make you laugh anyways? And then trying to bring a political angle to that. Because we know that like politics has been alienating and frankly pretty boring to a wide audience of people. I think that in you know, voter turnout over the past few, forever, I guess, really, has been kind of a representation of that. Like, it's been missing the mark. So, like, we've done, like, as weird of things, like having a rave on Twitch, to having, you know, game, gaming on Animal Crossing, to having, creating our own holidays, um, and having, like, a vote by mail holiday, National Voter Registration Day, which is itself its own holiday. But, um, being super audacious in our goals of like how many people we want to contact and like literally sending them all lowercase texts, like just being <laughs> like, that's my brand, you know, like Strong. autocorrect absolutely ruined my style when it comes to texting. But it's like one of those things where it's like, how you, I'm sorry, right? That just fully triggered me like from to middle school. And I thought it was so cool to like only like write in lowercase. I literally used to text, I used to text phonetically. Like I would say like duh, instead of the, I'd be like duh and put like D-A. It was tragic, but like that oh actually were channeling. <laughs> Me and my best friend used to actually type without spaces at one point. We went through it. Oh, okay. No, no. We no, did no. all lowercase, no spaces. <laughs> I just remember that. Like that, sorry, you just triggered me to like a whole... See, but whole, like pre-pubescent memory. We just bonded over how weird it was to grow up <laughs> as like millennials or Gen Zs or whatever. And like that's the approach we're trying to take, right? Totally. It's like no one likes like the you know jargon laden SMS text they're gonna get. I I ignore it. I was in politics, like what the hell? So like yeah. how do we make this inherently more interesting? And so, you know, having like influencers um, do like a fucking unbox me with like like taking out like all this like swag about next gen is like one of the ways that we're just trying to like adopt the ways that like young people are already talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's the long winded answer and also uh, you know <laughs> walk down trauma lane. <laughs> oh no, I literally I just cannot get enough of the memes and the videos that compare like our generation to this generation right now and like how cool like all these younger kids are like they're all like killing it their outfits their tiktoks like this whole thing and i'm like oh my god like like i personally didn't have braces but like i remember when my friends did and we all wore like pop collars like layered up like absolutely oh. tragic doesn't begin to cover it and i just i don't think i'll ever recover i'm like how do you guys not go through a weird phase they just like they go from fetus to adult i'm yeah. like i so much ugly for so long like oh how did God, it was so bad over that? it wasn't a makeup thing like there was no, no makeup <laughs> I, I literally i even was like 
I'm such a girly girl. And, like, I can, like, look through all my, like, makeup phases. Like, there's the deep eyeliner phase. There's the blue eyeshadow phase. Like, there was attempts. Like, they're really, like, it happened. It just didn't happen well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, who's training you? Like, where? I don't get it. It's a whole nother topic. I mean, I watched, I watched the roommate with, ironically, my old roommate. <laughs> we love it. Theory movies. And just the tragic outfits that are happening on like really beautiful women. I'm like, no wonder I was wearing like a beret and a tank top <laughs> because it looked hella good on these people. Right? So like, I blame Or honestly, <laughs> Miley Cyrus and Hannah Montana like had us so fucked up. Like if you look oh. back, she was wearing, okay. She was wearing leggings with like, like jorts like not just shorts like jorts like to the like above the knee with like a t-shirt and then like a long sleeve under it like plus a like sparkly scarf and like her hair in a side side low pony (laughs) and I would wear that and I would wear that because I wanted to be Miley Cyrus so bad you guys have no idea I still do but it's fine wow but speaking of goals there are obviously goals regarding the election on so many different levels so presidential to the senate to you know it gets nitty and gritty from there but we did specifically want to talk about the senate races because there's so much attention given to presidential and even just like the power of the president but we've really seen in the last few years that the power of the senate is dare I say next level you know you look at Mitch McConnell and you're like oh my god okay everything kind of passes through him you know has the last word or all the drama with Lindsey Graham it just seems like the actual you know power and movement really is in the senate so why don't just talk about you know the control of the senate why you know why does it have so much weight how did we sort of get to this system where the senate and the house are leading the way Sure. So, I mean, taking it way back, like, I mean, we all know that the idea of, like, our government from its foundation was to make sure that, like, there were always be representatives of people's interests. And it's funny when you put it in those terms, it really just, if you think about, like, I have my apartment complex and I'm going to pick one person who, like, I vibe with, we probably have some, the same values. And I know that they're going to represent me 100% of the time when they go meet up with other people I've never met. Like, it truly is that simplistic. But yeah, and so, you know, the, the essential concept was like, how do we create people like who have their full time job really being like making sure that the way we feel like in our localities is represented. And so like, as a concept, it was really, I think, thoughtful and like, basically, like, what is the foundation of a democracy? You know, fast forward all these years later, I don't think that there was an intention for the two party system to get as polarized as it has. And so now there's this, you know, a, this very strong attachment to how do I keep myself in power? Like, how do I ensure that like the Republican Party or the Democratic Party um, is wearing, you know, the, the the majority crown for as long as they can? And so I think that that has really muddled how um, inherently uh, community oriented it was supposed to be. So all that going to say is that. Um, you know, the Senate and the House have distinct powers from each other, and they have distinct powers from the presidency. And so there are things that the president just literally can't do without their agreement. Like if Obama wanted to, you know, instate health care, the first day he showed up, and that was something he could do alone, he would have done it. Like it was a struggle for a reason. And that's because there are some really powerful 
um, abilities and like characteristics that are unique to these houses. So I don't know, I think there's so much at stake because some of the things that imp impact us the most, like, you know, healthcare, like um, criminal justice, like racial reform, like those are things that we're gonna absolutely need to have pushed through our representatives and not just a president who agrees to, you know, sign whatever legislation comes from the discussion in either chamber. Yeah. And so to kind of break down too for people so they can understand kind of where we're at with the Senate races and what we're looking at with the election, I don't know how how things might play out. We currently have a Republican-controlled Senate, uh, meaning Republicans hold the majority of the 100 seats, and there are 23 Republican seats up for election and 12 Democratic seats up for election. And... I don't know. I mean, I've seen, and I think there's a lot of polls, which we'll get into polling later. I know that's like such a hot topic right now for everybody. <laughs> but um, yeah, Democrats are kind of picking up momentum toward winning the Senate majority, and challengers are out raising or out fundraising Republican incumbents and leading in the polls. And but with all that said, how many seats? First, like let's get into the, kind of the basics. Like, how many seats do Democrats have to win to take over control of the Senate? Sure. So if you look at kind of like you said, the numbers for a second, you have 53 Republicans, you have 45 Democrats, and then you have two independents who typically caucus with Democrats anyway. So they're, you know, defunct uh, Democrats, essentially. And what we really need, like bare minimum is for Democrats to win Republican seats to have majority. And it's interesting because the place that we started in at the beginning of the pandemic looks a whole lot different than it does now. I think a lot of what we've gone through as a country, um, people are really starting to hold their senators accountable for like whether they were able to like keep their jobs or feed their kids, like yeah. get the healthcare they need, like the response, you know, keeping like states shut down if you like, apparently there's a philosophical view around that kind of thing. So also that, like there are a number of issues that I don't think we would have ever measured a Senate candidate on before. So while I would say there's like certainly like notable seats and like seats like you know, like the Arizona Senate race is a super hot race and like Maine is a super hot race and like, um, you know, North Carolina is a super hot race. But like, there's also just something to be said about like, we're just kind of trying to eke out those four seats. And then if we can take more than like, heck yeah, let's do it. Because mm -hmm. at this point, you know, we've had um, a Senate majority leader, Mitch McConnell, who like didn't have the decency to respect at least letting RBG like have one 24 hour window of like her family mourning. Um, you know, yeah. the entire community that's, and including like ourselves without even like totally knowing her, yeah. um, have a moment of just respect. And for me, that was really like a breaking point because, you know, I can never imagine, you know, Biden pulled his ads when Trump was sick with sick, Corona. Yes. And so to me, it's just kind of like a basic respect thing. And he, you know, took the power that he has to make an announcement that they were going to have a Senate confirmation hearing. So, or around, sorry, SCOTUS. So, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to be said around like the outsized power that some of these people have. Um, and of course, I'd love to see Mitch McConnell gone. Um, but I also used to work for Senator Harry Reid, so of course I'm going to say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things that there's a lot at stake. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah I think it'll definitely be interesting, especially Maine, looking at some of the voting records. I feel like this year that conversation has come up because so much of the time the commentary like you're saying from the comms perspective is so buttoned up or it's so 
um, or it's put in a way that it makes it hard to pull apart because they seem so rational. It seems like they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're really appealing to their base. So, yeah. you know, how do you make an argument for them going against it? But I feel like some of the voting records have really come out this year and really changed the game there. So I'll be interested to see if yeah. any of like the few times that they haven't voted with party lines will actually make a difference. Um you know, especially with Susan Collins and the Supreme Court uh, situation as of late and voting against the nominee. I'm like, in, in my opinion, it's like, okay, well, it's like a little too late, but I wonder if that's like the common consensus yeah. or if it's just I sort mean, of my like more liberal point of view. Totally. I mean, I could live and die in conspiracy theories. So like, I won't <laughs> even go there you guys and listeners, but like, I do think that there's something to be said around too, like, uh, there's a reason why people don't feel like politics is either accessible or like comprehensible. And part of it is just like, or comprehensible is because like, frankly, people are having these conversations for years and years and years on the record. And you're kind of like, she seems rational. And then she goes and votes for something that's like, in my opinion, completely immoral. So I, I think it's something to be said around to how like that is strategic in itself. Like there's an assumption around, you know, like, people only reading like what's in the headline and just seeing like a fairly positive quote and being like, okay, like I'm not crazy about the people that, you know, I've seen vote. I'm okay with whoever my neighbors or community voted into office. She seems to be saying fine things. And then the average person is probably not wonky enough to like track um, voting records. So there's a disproportionate amount of pressure on people who have like a deep know-how around politics um, to try and, you know, replace these representatives because they, they like, they suck. Like if you really sit them down, like it doesn't matter what you say, it matters the actions that you take. And if you place the Republican party um, in many cases over like the people in your state, you're going to make some decisions that really affect their lives negatively. So yeah, I totally agree with you and I'm eager to see how much it ends up mattering. But as long as we can kind of convince people that their vote matters, I think we'll see some positive momentum there. Yeah. And I think also maybe like light bulb moment or idea, but I, you know, we were talking a little bit about sort of the idea of rebranding politics, making it more accessible, making it more fun, you know, whether it's like texting in lowercase or putting in pink, like whatever it is. And like, I, I wonder if there's a way to do that with voting records. Like, obviously, we're coming up with ideas that we can do that for mm-hmm. um, just getting the vote out, getting people registered to vote. But, like, yeah. why not that level? Of it? Let's make it, let's, like, remove, like, the need to be, like, a policy wonk to be super into it to know that information. And I think that's, you know, perhaps where we start on some of these these changes. Yeah. And, and that's why I was like, I, I had an interview recently where I, I was kind of posed the question, like, okay, who is the ideal person to be, be leading political conversation? And my answer was like, honestly, the least jaded, least politically experienced person, because they are going to whittle down these super nuanced topics into something that's like understandable by them and then the people that they talk to. And so I think that you're right. Like, how do we rebrand politics? Like we have to start, you know, kind of making, okay, what are these votes, what do these votes mean? And like, when did they happen? And what did they do that affected your life? And if you can whittle down a vote to like, yes, on your healthcare, no on your healthcare, like the person you're speaking to is more likely going to have a deeper understanding than if you were like, oh, clause, blah, blah, section, blah, blah. And it changed like this tiny piece of like it, you know? So it's, it's hard, I would say to summarize, but, um, I totally think that like the least experienced person is probably the person with the best ideas. And like, yeah. as a former consultant, we're sick of consultants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many focus groups can you do? Seriously. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that's such a good topic, too. I mean, that can just go on forever. I mean, another episode topic, put it on the list that we want to talk about. Like, this, the people behind the politicians, right? Like, that'd be, that, we can go on forever about all those people. But we do want to get into what everyone's talking about right now and what everyone is thinking about and scared about our polls. Um, I think everyone in this country's trust issues have just blown through the roof due yeah. to oh 2016 and yeah. what polls did to us in 2016. Um, and so this year, obviously, we've been seeing consistent numbers in the polls, mm-hmm. you know, putting Joe Biden to win this thing, I think, across the board, right? Pretty much yeah. every poll. Um, but that was, that was the case in 2016 with Hillary Clinton and that did not come to fruition. So people kind of want to know, like, let's talk about polling and looking at national polls right now. Like we said, Biden is favored to win. Democrats are favored, favored to flip the Senate, like, and Democrats are also still likely to keep the house, but like how reliable are polls? I mean, I was looking at, um, 538 the other day that's where I look at polls and and like they had to actually like write a whole article about why 2016 happened the way it did and why this year is going to be different but um I don't know how reliable are polls like should we trust this this year yeah I mean that's a tough question generally I think polls are a statistical tool right like they are never going to be perfect and it's not because like the political elites don't want you to know what's going on. Like there isn't some crazy, I think, philosophy behind this. It's more so that like, there's no way to literally talk to every single American. Like if the census can't do it, I assure you a poll can't do it. And so um, it's gonna be inherently flawed. I think too, like we learned a lot of hard lessons in 2016. Like, you know, we've only had, for example, 45 presidents. As far as like a statistical analysis goes, a universe of 45 is like not next one. So, I think that there's an understanding around kind of the variables that we have to take into account. And so I, I would venture to say that polls are more reliable this time around. Um, but I would also say that regardless of where you fall in this discussion, there are a number of other tools at your disposable, disposal to like kind of understand what um, election day is going to look like. Um, something that I really prefer, frankly, is like looking at like early voting and absentee voting returns and kind of seeing like which groups um, are showing up in highest rates. And like, we know that like minority groups um, typically lean Democrat. Um, we know that like younger voters typically lean Democrat and we were seeing like way higher rates of returns, like in some states as high as like 200, 300, 400, 500, even 600% higher from 2018 to 2020 alone within like the 18 to 29 age bracket. So I would say that if you see a poll and you see a number of polls that support it, and you have trauma because you remember how 2016 <laughs> was like literally <laughs> so hard on all of us. Um, there are a number of other measures you can use. Um, and there are, you know, so many good groups out there trying to kind of give you a more holistic idea of what to expect. And so I would just say if you see a poll that you're not sure about, like do a little bit more research and there will be other measures. Um, and if not, like follow me on Twitter. I'm out here trying to shout out. <laughs> I made my account in April, so I have to plug because I have two followers and I just feel like Wait, I so do we. We have two followers. Oh my, I'll follow you guys. <laughs> two followers <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, like there are people like, you know, I'm in my sweats day in, day out working with a progressive youth folk group trying to find better data to make a traditionally like, you know, 
unengaged and like group of people that are seldom invited to the ballot box for what I consider to be failures in the traditional voting system. And so to me, I'm going to try and find better numbers and that's my motivation. And so I hope to God that that's more reliable than a poll, frankly. Um, So that's my long answer, um, but it's definitely a yes or no. (laughs) I think that also kind of leads like into our next question, which is how do polls impact elections? Because in thinking, okay, if you see, for example, say you're voting for Biden and all of a sudden you see, oh my gosh, the polls are through the roof. It looks like a slam dunk. Like, does that stop people from being like, oh, my vote's going to matter and keeps them back? Like, or, you know, is there some sort of like opposite effect? Like, can numbers also here have a detrimental effect? Oh, I think it's a fabulous question. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, one of the things that we're shifting to in terms of like our calls to action as we get into the final days before the election is um, don't be complacent. Like I live in California, I live in San Francisco, like dear God, like I could be complacent. I could, you know, I have plenty of people around me who um, will say things like my vote doesn't matter. And, you know, I, I think it's one thing to vote. And then it's another thing to be like, cool, I did my piece. Like if you're in, especially battleground state, like you also have a responsibility in my mind to like urge your friends, urge your family. Like you have a group of people you're uniquely attached to that are way more likely to listen to what you have to say. So it's not really just your one vote, like your existence can actually like turn a couple dozen votes. And like in some states, like, you know, uh, the presidency has been determined by like a handful of votes. And so it really is important. And so if you're deciding to take a chance and say, okay, the polls seem fine right now, I'm going to sit this one out. It's all going to happen the way it is. Like, we don't know if we're going to get into like a Bush v. Gore situation like we saw in Florida. Like we have no idea if we're going to get into a place where it's going to be so close that you're going to have wished that you went out and voted. And if you don't find that like a sufficiently seductive idea, like make it a thing with your friends, just go chat in line. Like, yeah. And it's it's more than the presidency. I think that's something we always need to push people is there's down ballot races that are very important. We've talked about the importance of local government too, and that's on the ballot and that those votes absolutely matter no matter where you are. Um, So definitely always remember that, that if it's not the presidency, there's other things you're voting on that have serious impacts and you should definitely have a say in that. So it's definitely important. But another like question on polling, um, I guess is like, has anything though in 2016 ever happened before? Or is this like, because a lot of people did the research after 2016, like what the hell happened? Like we thought Hillary had this. And there were all these different theories, like, you know, closet. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, my mom's calling me. I just... Last episode, she was in the window. Now she's calling me. Okay. It's okay. I'm sure. (laughs) But, But no, so people had theories that, you know, there were closet Trump supporters. There are people who lied to polls because they're almost ashamed to say they're going to vote for Trump. Like... Couldn't that happen again? Because I feel like this is like this whole polls aren't true thing is really yeah. seems like a Trump era kind of thing, because I don't know. Ooh. And I don't I don't necessarily know the answer to this, but from what I know, I don't think that this has happened before. Right. 
Um, I think it's really hard to compare. Like there have definitely been polls that are wrong before. I would definitely say like there are instances in which like <laughs> newspaper ran headline newspapers ran headlines, you know, celebrating the wrong president winning an election. Like this is in a sense happened before, but right now it's very much like apples to oranges because um you know, I don't think we've ever seen a president, um, you know, actively bash on news just as an entity yeah. and like, you know, early, early voting or vote by mail. Like there has been a very concerted effort around um, dissuading people from trusting these sources. So I would say that there's a, a, that's part of, I hope you're okay. The red wine okay. can get a little weird. I just choked sure. on it. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Sorry. Go ahead. We are uh, unwell. <laughs> yeah. yeah if this um, episode isn't relatable, I don't know what I don't need, yeah. what we need to do. I know. I don't know, I know what we need to do besides this. Um, but yeah, I would say that like one of the things that I, I find especially motivating um is that you know there's been a very active um, misinformation campaign around like the legitimacy of vote by mail, which I think is especially important considering that we're, you know, having to deal with a global pandemic, but there's also like a number of pieces that have, um, you know, persuaded a Democrat to vote earlier than a Republican, for example. So I think that like, while we're seeing like really awesome returns right now, for example, and like polls that are really great right now, there is definitely a chance where things may swing in the opposite direction because you're going to have a bunch of like you know, maybe more conservative people without masks trying to go to polling places. Um, we've seen, I know in California, which is like the last place people would affect, uh, expect it is like people burning ballots <laughs> in like, you know, mail drop off. So yeah. there's something to be said to you around like there being just, you know, in the comparison of like apples or oranges, like I said, like there are so many other variables that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to make uh, a perfect parallel. But I, I would just say that like, the situation that we have in our hands right now is definitely not the situation we're going to walk away with yeah. and who knows how long it's going to take like <laughs> the certainty that we may have in end of november december whatever it may be um that's crazy. but yeah it, i mean i don't that's not i don't think it's actually gonna I, yeah. I'm a little bit of but it's but always like, possibility yeah. and this year <laughs> but that's also the, the interesting thing it's this year is so unprecedented it, it can't even be compared to 2016 is another point yeah. it's like this I know Trump, you know, this is another Trump election, but like it can't even be compared, I don't think, because there's so many different factors. But actually, I have like a totally weird side question. I don't know yes. if you know the answer to this, but yeah. that just made me think. So is it required to wear masks at polls everywhere? Like what's going on with that? I'm actually. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that like the idea of a polling place or polling place, uh, uh, the the like voting in general is like these are like unbiased like non-party affiliated um workers but they're also like people of the community and so like for example um you know like the your entire like social distancing um the requirements are all gonna be state to state and like the leniency of some of these things are also gonna be like from location to location so I would imagine that if these people are being trained and over like seen like the whole thing has been like operated properly then yeah um, especially if you're going to like an indoor space, then yeah. Um, but I'm sure it's going to be, there's going to be some drama. Like yeah. there, there has to be, I, I remember the election in Wisconsin 
you know, or like it was forced to be in person in April and people still showed up in masks and like waited in line and there were, you know, an influx of people getting sick. So like, I think it's, it's really shitty that people are going to be in a position where they have to, you know, decide, um, you know, health or vote yeah. and states that haven't made vote by mail a state mandate that is unfortunately a choice a lot of people are going to have to make. I think that's actually like the perfect segue to our this is a stupid question segment because our first question is about what you can wear to the polls. You know, can you wear voting paraphernalia to the polls? Can I go like, can I wear like a Biden flag and then like a hat and then maybe I'll like wear a vest over it? Like, I don't know, like what is allowed and what's not, what's going to like get you turned away? Yeah. So that's a, that's an awesome question. I actually had to look it up because I've always been an absentee voter um so i was like what in the heck i i would assume it's fine it's actually not like state by state there's like a gradient of like what's allowed but like anything that kind of falls under the you know the concept of politicking like anything that may disturb the peace of other people that are voting is considered to be problematic like you can only you know you can't persuade someone to change their vote outside the doors of um a polling place like that is a rule and so i would say that like if you're showing up in like with a flag and like completely covered and a blow horn like you're going to be turned away um there are some places that permit like vote and there are other places that are like you can't even have the candidate on your you know on your shirt or whatever it may be so generally speaking i would just go neutral um wear your red white and blue i'm sure that's fine don't be this And also, like, you may have to wait in line, so, like, be comfortable. comfortable. Um, Yeah, and, like, you know, there there are, like, in some states, what I think is really interesting is the fact that, like, there are times that polls close, but, like, you, as long as you're in line at the time that the poll closes, like, you're still allowed to vote. So, like, if you, you know, plan to vote at 8 and it's now 9 p.m. in Iowa, like, make sure you're, like, bundled up. So I think your choice to try and wear some funnier, like, you know, um, political swag might, you know, be outweighed by the fact that you don't want to freeze. So yeah. With that, do you need a valid form of photo ID to vote? Because that's also something I think that varies, right? So yes, again, state to state, um, some states that have voter ID laws, I think about half require photo ID. Others just need like valid ID. Like in California, I know as long as you have voted in the past, like there are, it's different than if you were a first-time voter. So I would just implore you, like there are so many apps. Um, there are so many interesting fun apps too. Like I downloaded one that showed me my entire voting record from like 2014 on to now. It was and scary. <laughs> I mean, it was good because I've always been a dweeb for politics. Yeah. So I mean, and like, and that's what makes me kind of like the worst person to try and lead like a creative campaign because I'm, you know, jaded around some of this stuff. But like, at the same time, like it's super helpful because it t- was telling me like how many days are left to, to do early vote, like what times that like the ballot box closes um, and just like any kind of basic information like obviously I personally know that I can't vote online, but like to some people who are voting for the first time, that's not clear to them. So like, there are so many resources to help you understand like the rules and regulations of your state or your county. Um, but you can also always call like your secretary of state's, you know, elections office and just yeah. like, they're there a hundred percent waiting for you. Yeah. When you call. I am um, glad you said that plug because I've been <laughs> calling Alex Padilla's office almost every day because I have just like people <laughs> signing my DMs with questions and 
I just like call and it's actually so easy. Like it's easier than like scouring the internet sometimes. So if that's like, that's a really good resource. If you guys have any questions about voting, um, as specific as it gets, they literally know like all the answers and it's for your state particularly. So that's the other thing that gets confusing is like photo IDs aren't required everywhere, for example. So it's hard sometimes to like go on the internet and find the information you need. So I definitely suggest it's like a great call, like to call your secretary of state's office. I've had, I've called them multiple times like this week and they've been great. Like they really have, they're prompt and know literally everything. Um, but another question I actually, this was one of the questions I called for a friend about is yeah. if I applied for an absentee ballot and either received it and didn't fill it out or didn't receive it, can I go vote yeah. in person? Yeah. So again, <laughs> stay to stay, but <laughs> I say, like um, one of the important things in some cases, like if you have like physically have your ballot on you and you decided that you rather vote in person, like that is an option. You just may have to like surrender your ballot. Um, and sometimes you might have to, you know, vote with a provisional ballot. Um, in other cases, um, you, if you like full on requested to vote absentee and you haven't gotten it yet, like absolutely call, um, your secretary of state because that's weird. Um, and you know, this is also like an imperfect system in that it's being scaled to a level of political participation that we have never seen before. And regardless of people's interests or not, like there are states that are like California, like everybody got a vote by mail, like ballot and like so did Nevada and like countless other states. And so, um, you know, there, there are going to be a little bit of wait times. And if you do turn in your ballot um, and you don't get, you know, say like an alert about it being um, received, that may also be completely fine because in some cases, you know, they're a couple of days behind because they're still counting. Yeah. But I would also say with that um, recommendation, I also want to be, you know, cautionary because some states have restricted how long after November 3rd that they're going to count ballots. So if you're getting too close to the deadline, literally just go drop off your ballot like if you are like it's november 2nd like i would honestly say like screw dropping off in a mailbox go to a secure ballot box drop off um because that's really like that's your safeguard to make sure that there's absolutely no lag with like the mailing system um or like counting times um so yeah there this sounds also wildly complicated but straight up just like i what was it called i literally downloaded like move what's it vote with me and that's it i know everything about myself and everything about california oh so like do that to meet new people I want to download this. yeah we'll I, put that wait, in the description of this episode vote with me yeah that's yeah cute. You know, I, that right now it's it really like it you know fuels my ego it tells me my entire you know voting history i was like look at me wow. go like, wait, that's cute Um, (laughs) no but that perfectly leads us to into like our takeaways for this episode for people for people listening when this comes out it'll be literally the day before the election it will be november 2nd oh Oh, my god God. and (laughs) i'm sweating um okay no but anything else like we just want to plug literally every voting resource tip everything like let's put it all out on the table right now like to start our first thing we have obviously make your voting plan and have a voting checklist. Um, we will provide a bunch of links in the like episode description for this. Um, but like, can you tell us what a good like voter checklist is and voter plan, especially like right now when people are listening November 2nd. So that means they're going to either be voting drop off or maybe going in person. Like 
at this time when people will be listening, what is the voter checklist to have? Sure, absolutely. So that's a super great question. And I'll start with this. Like we are super, if if you're listening to this on November 2nd, like we are running out of time in a good and bad way. So I would say like the first place you need to start is literally look at your calendar and be like, okay, I know I have to work from these hours. I know I have this meeting that could go along. Like really be honest and realistic with yourself on like what your constraints are. Like, do you wake up early enough? Do you know that you're going to hit, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Nope. Like, you know, like, are you going to turn off your alarm? Like make your plan to suit who you are as a person and the constraints of your life. Like if you know, you're going to be stressed out. If you know, you have a test, if you know, like whatever it may be, make the plan that is the least tiring and draining on you. And if you're listening to this at 1 PM, like make that plan at 1 PM and try and get it like in action at two. And I know that sounds so extra, but like, you never know what pops up. Um, and like, for whatever reason, you may be in a, you know, case scenario you weren't expecting where you have to like hang out in class or home, whatever later, and you can't make it to the battle box by eight or nine. Um, and I would say like, there are so many amazing voter organizations out there. Like you could honestly take, check out like Crooked Media's Vote Save America. You could look at next gen stuff. You could look at this app that I just plugged after downloading it two in the morning last night. Yeah. Like there are so many, <laughs> there's so many different resources that will give you the skinny on like what you need to know. Um, and so just familiarize yourself with like, what are the requirements of your ballot? Um, or of your polling place. Like you do not want to be caught flat footed and like not bring, you know, valid ID if you need it. Like if you're going to be like myself and I'm an over planner, like I would bring my passport, my real ID, my driver's Wait, license. Are you, like, yeah, are you driving there? You got to bring your ID. Like you might as well bring it. Bring your wallet, yeah, exactly. whatever you bring to go out to the grocery store. That should definitely be in there at the minimum. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I'm like, also like you may be, you might find yourself like at the polling place and like ask that person questions. Like I'd rather not come to it, but like you can. So like, you know, this is a, this is a system of people for people. So it's not going to be absolutely perfect, but like, I would just say like, look up some of the organizations they named, um, check out their resources. They're also going to be pushing, you know, because they are just as invested as like hopefully you are to make sure that you vote they will be posting information that is specific to hopefully your region if you find a local organization or you know information that'll help guide you so i would just say be real with yourself know what you have coming up familiarize yourself with the requirements of your you know state or county and then just plan to vote as early as you possibly can and if it's day of then girl or guy or they go (laughs) (laughs) yes I support that. I guess, yeah, this is key. So obviously you, before you go, there's so many things to do. Like you were saying, even including like map it out. Like I didn't realize, for example, I'm voting early and I didn't realize that it is like not my usual place. And it's going to be on Halloween. (laughs) Oh yeah. By the way, super spooky. I'm voting on Halloween. (laughs) I'm like super amped because I really want to see like who shows up in a costume we need to like understand like what's on the ballot and I know that changes state to state but like what do you feel like are the best methods for figuring out what the hell is on your ballot ahead of time and making sure you're prepared yeah totally so I would say I mean like I think California is a great standard of comparison here because it's honestly just like we're the best and the worst like we have so many things and like I'm in San Francisco so we have so many ballot initiatives so many propositions um and so it's really overwhelming and a lot of the times like when you receive your booklet for example there's a section called title and summary which is essentially kind of like 
the name and like an overview of what that ballot or proposition entails. And like even that sometimes can be confusing and intentionally so. Um, so something that I do, something that I actually recommend to a lot of my friends is like I go to like my trusted news sources and their recommendations and also like um, their endorsements. Um, obviously, like some um, opinions that I may have may differ from like, for instance, the San Francisco Chronicle or the Los Angeles Times, which is like kind of some of the voices I look to to give me information. But like, I truly like I do this every single election, I sit with my dad, and we just like side by side go through the books. And it's like a judgment free zone, like sometimes it makes no sense. And we yeah. just Google it super helpful to see like, whether your mayor has endorsed this, like whether this person um, say they're running for office, like, um, board of education, like, do they have any experience with, like, what that even entails? Like, are they just, like, a random human who's, like, this would be yeah. a cool endeavor? Like, kind of familiarizing yourself with the background of these people and these propositions, I think, is an amazing place to start. Um, but yeah, it's going to yeah. be a little bit of studying, but, like, it will change a lot if, depending yeah. on, like, what I, I definitely agree with that, and I think, for me too, when I'm looking at my ballot, first of all, I use Ballotpedia usually, especially because, well, for candidates, I think it's different, but for, again, California, there's so many propositions and everything. Um, And so Ballotpedia is helpful and they also tell you like who supports it, but it's helpful to see the supporters and the opposers with Ballotpedia shows you all of that, shows the breakdown, what a yes vote means, what a no vote means, who supports it, um, which is super helpful. And then um, we've also had an episode with Know Your Vote, which is a great um, resource as well that really helps break down the candidates local to you. Yeah. And to that point, it's like super streamlined. Look at like who is on your ballot for your state and you can literally see like issue by issue what they care about, what they're voting on, whatnot. Um, there are definitely some surprises. I think Maddie and I can both like speak to this about certain candidates um, that we had learned through this resource. So we definitely recommend checking it out um, on the similar, you know, in a similar vein. Definitely if you're really gung-ho about a certain issue and are curious what uh, politicians want to um, or are voting on certain issues, like this is definitely a great way to do it as well. Um, whether it's even for this election or just generally having that knowledge, um, know your vote is definitely one to yeah. check out. Um, the other thing we have on here, just like a bunch of stuff, but one of them is like tracking your ballot if you want. I know that's also state by state if you can do that, but like I was able to go see that my ballot was counted, which is exciting. So like do that if you can. Um, what else? Oh, a big one, I think, too, to wrap up, unless like please fill us in with anything else we're missing but I think a really big one is that we've talked about this a little bit on other episodes but talk to your friends and family and check in that they have voted like that power like that peer power is so strong and to be able to if someone hasn't done it yet like that little push could be what makes a huge difference for a few people and like that's your drop in the bucket and if everyone's doing that it can have a huge impact so check on as many people as you can and make sure they voted and if not Peer give them pressure. the resources they need to go get it done so i think that's a big one make it a thing make voting it a is thing. cool voting is like, attractive like exactly vote. That Hailey was, Bieber's so post with that shirt i was just like that's my vibe <laughs> like that is me but yeah i mean politics affects all of us like Literally, I'm the most opinionated human I know, and that's kind of an insult, but also self-recognition. Like, how can I not vote? Like, 
Given, to given the opportunity to express another opinion, why wouldn't I take <laughs> yeah. it? Like, that's yeah, <laughs> seriously, take ownership of it. Exactly. Be proud of it. Be like, know that like you're, yeah, you're putting your voice out there. You're letting everyone know your opinion, regardless of if they want to know it or not. <laughs> they get to know it because you're voting. So be proud of that. So real, yeah, yeah. And also, like, I mean, coming from like a press perspective, like my. My life towards this election is not ending on November 3rd, let alone 4th, let alone the weekend. So, like, there are going to be so many other people having conversations around, like, what to expect and what to think and what to feel. So, like, you know, this process is especially, like, there are a ton of new voters. Like, this process is either new to you or you just turned 18 or you, like, barely understand voter laws because they're confusing, but you, like, went and did the thing. Like, there are going to be so many conversations that you can join to, like, kind of figure out what to expect, um, if there's anything else you can do, or just like feel less overwhelmed Wait, great in this. Point, so because I actually I wrote down this question. I'm glad you just reminded me of it. And this is also like low key some market research for our podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> I want to know like too. Okay, election aside, how do we stay engaged, and how do we also keep young people engaged past this election? Because I worry that like. People will just lose interest mm-hmm. after this election, especially if it honestly, if Biden wins, it might just kind of everyone will return to normalcy kind of thing. And I don't we can't let that happen because regardless of who's in office, this game, it's a long game and we have to continue to hold people accountable. And it's not over once this election is oh, yeah. over. It's not. So how do we stay engaged yeah. and how do we especially keep like young people engaged and our friends engaged? Totally. I mean, there, that's kind of like, there's two directions for that. Like one, like why I think you should care and then also like how to do it. But something I want to really start out with is like, um, you know, as far as like when we were looking at the primaries, like Biden was not leading no. the vote. Like, and I think we could be honest with ourselves that like he was probably a lot of people's like not first ideal choice. And like, regardless of how you feel about Joe Biden, like he, at the end of the day, is someone who's, while a Democrat, been a little more traditional um, than a progressive would like, for example. Um, and he totally understands that he is going to be a bridge to the next generation. He gets that he is trying to, you know, he is trying to take us from a Trump presidency to like the first black woman president. Like he understands that he is like a conduit into something that we'd rather mm-hmm. see. And so he's going to bring hopefully ideally if he follows through on the promises that he's made a team of people who like look and sound like us for example and like represent our values and like follow through on what they're going to say and like that is not going to happen you know if he wins like that's not going to happen day one and so like we're going to still have a responsibility to like follow up and ensure that like you know there's a cabinet decision that we don't like like we're allowed to like hate post about it you know like on the smallest with our two followers on twitter but like we're still constituents right like we're still constituents to like so many layers of like local state like congressional whatever government like there are so many ways that we still matter to like a number of people who've been voting to office by us and like it's not just Biden so making our opinion heard is still so 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 important like there are going to be primaries of course in two years after this so like don't get comfortable um like we still have to keep you know if we win the senate and we keep the house like we have to keep them like Obama inherited or one like a blue like a unified government and then it like disintegrated and the senate's been republican since so like there there just can't be a sense of comfort um i would say too that like you know the way to stay involved is like make 
politics your own. Like, I think that the reason a lot of people have felt completely alienated by this process is because this process is boring as hell sometimes. And like, frankly, um, the conversations had around it are not inspiring. Um, but these are things that like we live through. Like, if you have had a struggle um, with the healthcare system, if you have had a family member go to jail, if you have been on the either good or hard side of a policy going right or wrong, like you have a unique you story to taxes. tell. And whether if you, you literally, if you, you buy, taxes. if you buy yes. tampons, if you buy like skincare, like this stuff is all stuff that is decided by politics and policy, and every yeah. little thing affects you, and you, you have to stay in tune with it. And we're here to do that. That's what Girl in the Gov the podcast yeah, is Yeah, so for. I think that's our personal plug yeah. right there is to keep listening we to got the podcast you. and following yes. us all on Instagram and now Twitter because we want more than two followers. Yeah. Maybe three. Yeah, I, I mean, not it. to like get ahead of ourselves, but I'm feeling like five followers might be the sweet spot. Yes. Right? So Girl yes. in the Gov one. There you go. <laughs> Go follow yeah, it. Girl, let me go. One. <laughs> Y'all, I had a really, I had like my brush with Twitter fame. It was the worst thing in the world. I, again, like no followers. Michael Babaro retweets me. I stop. Literally, I literally, like, I was watching, I was watching the roommate with my roommate. <laughs> like, this is going back to the story. Full circle and moment. My phone was in a different room. We were carving pumpkins. It was quaint as shit. And I leave my phone in the other room and my phone's blowing up and I'm like, the hell? And one of the press secretaries in Florida sent me a screenshot and was like, Michael Bavaro retweeted you. And I was like, stop. I know. <laughs> was it like a funny tweet? tweet? No, it was about the Yusko. informative tweet. Yes, that's why I'm plugging my Yusko. Well, tweet. I was about They're to say, because I don't see Michael Bavaro being like a funny tweeter. No, I mean, I do give some like really real takes, like had a hard day today, <laughs> but like, no, I mean, that was not, <laughs> but I was oh like, yo, God. Michael Navarro is my Kim Kardashian <laughs> and I am Taylor Swift. Like, this is horrible. Like trolls were after Whoa. me. So like, I almost, and like, I literally have, I'm like, it's been since April, 2020, like, go look at my pro- plug. Go <laughs> Nobody following me. Twitter is scary. Twitter is scary. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has really even just been like so fun, first of all. Um, but for everyone listening, don't forget to go subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. Follow Next Gen. Honestly, they have the best content. Um, and just housekeeping for everyone. We will have an episode drop Thursday, which will be a post-election episode. Hopefully, we will have an idea of where we're at um, at that point, but who knows? But we will be breaking down whatever is going on um, on that episode. So definitely don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss that. Thank you. Guys. You guys are the best. You're doing the hard work. Like, so you're, are you. You're, you are the Google Translate of your community. We're going to steal that. Sorry. take it. <laughs> It's and so good. <laughs> I'll pray for you. Pray for us for this election day and whatever happens. Seriously. Like, I hope you the best of mental health for the next next couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> I have six new bottles of wine that I will be Well, there it is. Monday. Then you're good to go. All right. Well, you're scheduled. You're planned. <laughs> That's all that matters. Right. You prepared for the vote. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. But tomorrow, election day, go vote if you haven't voted if you have voted congrats like honestly go celebrate and again don't forget to subscribe follow us on instagram follow us on twitter boost those two little followers 
and we will be talking to you guys on Thursday. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.